Okay, so we are here today with three of my favorite, favorite people in the whole Valley of the Sun, possibly the world, with the exception, <laughs> of, my, exception of my family. Uh, we got Samantha Turner, Executive Director of Valley, Arizona. Hi, Samantha. Hi. Joe Spector, President and General Director of Arizona Opera. And Vincent Van Vliet, better known as Triple D. That's what I like to call him. The Managing Director (laughs) of the Phoenix Theater Company. This is so awesome to have all of you here. Thanks for coming. What was your reaction when COVID first hit and you realized how bad it was going to be? Go. Disbelief. I'm going with silence and that, (laughs) that, that sigh sound. No, Samantha. Samantha. Who had any idea on March teen whatever when we all sent our our people home, mm-hmm. what the next months and years really were going to be look like? Had no idea that it could be. Took it seriously, but wow. I think you know I, I reflect on that. That's eight months ago now. It was easy to remember when the day we decided that we were going to be making, you know, our season cut short. It was it was March twelfth. It was my wife's birthday. Oh. And we had a gala two days later that was supposed to be taking place that wow. we that we had to, uh, you know, that we had to postpone. And, uh, you know, I, I think the bigger question for me at this moment is, okay, that's eight months looking back. What's what's eight months looking forward? And we are going to get to that. That was, that's, I was trying to tee you up there. That, no, and that's, <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. Um, but just, again, uh, having the privilege of being tied to all three of your organizations – um, and knowing what it takes in good times to make things happen and happen well. I mean, it is a, it's a, you guys are running a business and it's not an easy business to run because uh, you have a many, many dynamics. Then when you get the faucet shut off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'll just be honest, I saw it from all three of you. There is, there's panic and rightfully so there's panic because you didn't, you are in the business of live performing. And now you can't do live performances. I'm going to push back on that. We, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of the fact that, that our organization didn't panic. And I didn't sense panic from my colleagues here either. But Maybe I was panicking for you. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> I think <laughs> I that was a mirror, Jim. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. You're, you're right. But, but in terms of, I mean, I think what's, what's totally fair to say is that we had to go from a position of planning at least months, if not years in advance, to how do we reinvent ourselves for some undefined period of time in the next couple hours, couple days, couple weeks, and that kind of cultural shift? I, I don't, I don't want to speak for my colleagues here, but that uh, that that thing where we're like, what are we planning for next week? How are we maintaining connection today? Sure, because you don't know how long you have to plan for, and you mm-hmm. don't know how long. Okay, we have to do this, but we have to invest money in it, and how long do we have to do it? Vincent, what what were your thoughts yeah. on that? Planning was uh, definitely part of this. And in fact, there was planning exhaustion because every time we made a plan, it was overwritten two weeks later with new information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to be able to communicate to your staff about what's going on as well. So that was the hardest part is trying to be honest and transparent with them about what was happening when we actually didn't know what the what the future held. And, and still, and you could still say that, right? True. Yeah. I mean, their livelihoods were hooked to the decisions that uh, we were making at the senior level of the of the organization, and to not have clarity around how they were going to be able to be taken care of uh, was really tricky. And yeah. and so we had to pivot from the short term planning that Joe is talking about 
and really jump to uh, uh, what is the reality of the situation. And so when we were really looking at it, we figured that it was going to be March of 2021 before we could conceivably reopen. And so we started making that plan, knowing full well that we could back into something if, if, uh, if that changed. But we had to get to a place where we had to stop the, the two and three and four week plans and jump to a four, five, six month plan for us. Do you all have um, the guts to keep going during this, uh, during the pandemic? And uh, I'd like to ask you, first of all, what are you thankful for, Samantha? Um, I have a feeling we'll all say this thing, but we're inc- I'm incredibly thankful. We're incredibly thankful for the community. Um, we wouldn't be here right now if the community hadn't stepped up as they have been. And it's overwhelming sometimes when um, we hear from the people who want to support us. And uh, I just we couldn't be more thankful for everybody in this community and what they do for us. Well said, Vincent. Yeah, so I'm thankful for uh, the ability to get together with peers again and see them live and in person. Uh, it's been a long, long time since March since we've been able to get together and really for us finding a way to coexist with this virus and and bring live performances back to the public uh, sphere has been something that uh, with our upcoming opening uh, on an outdoor stage that uh, I'm really thankful for. Great. How about you, Joe? Well, I, I think what, what Samantha and Vincent said were, was perfect. Uh, I think if I was to add anything, I think I wake up every day with the gratitude that I get to do this work. And and it's, it is the most meaningful work under normal circumstances. But when you add to it that we're in this period of time when people are ser- searching desperately for some sense of connection, uh, happiness, light, that we get to we get to be a force for making that happen during this time when we feel so much separation and darkness. And uh, the, the fact that I get to do this work at this moment, as hard as it is, and, and Samantha's right, Vincent, we're, we're living it every day. It's a, every day it's a battle for, for, you know, for the work that we're producing, but to do it during this time when it means the most to other people, uh, I, I live in gratitude of that. Very well said, all three of you. And, I, and we here at Manly Films have the special privilege of having you all three as our <laughs> clients in addition to our friends. So we get to see, it's so cool to get to see how each organization works here. All the top, from top top arts organizations in the Valley, and I will even say in the country and around the world, because you're also impressive to us. But um, since the pandemic hit, it's really, we've gotten to be that fly on the wall in every single meeting, trying to figure out, watching the different personalities of the arts organizations, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how you were going to do things and how you're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And then um, I thought, well, let's get you all together and let's let's talk about it. And then I thought, well, is there going to be some kind of like, uh, you know, ballet, dance, singing fight that's going to happen? <laughs> do you guys do you guys like each other? Do you not like each other? That explains why the steel cage is hovering above <laughs> us. I was wondering what that was about. But answer that question. There is. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> we can he, had the, he had the look. But how, how do you all look at each other uh, here? As, as, uh, do you look at each other as um, foes or as friends? Friends, for sure. I Definitely. mean, I don't, I don't think there's a, a foe anywhere in the arts community here in town. Um, I, I think that does happen in some places, um, but not here. I came to Arizona in 2013 and uh, immediately started to reach out to my peers across town and got a warm welcome. Um, we actually meet monthly 
with a, a wonderful woman in this town by the name of Uma Una Boppert, who decided we all should get together. And she has facilitated for, I think, 15 years or more um, what has now become a, a monthly Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, no, we are friends. Um, uh, we, we can't forget that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you may take the rest of the day off. <laughs> Fantastic. Anything you want to add to that, Vincent? Yeah, I would say that the uh, the collegial relationship that we have with everybody where we help each other out, even when we have overlapping uh, performances and uh, uh, donors even, because a lot of our donors uh, to the ballet, to the opera, to the theater are the same donors and we're competing often for the same pool of folks. And that never translates into a competition amongst the organizations because for us, we've always believed that the rising tide floats all boats. And so the more patrons there are to the arts, the more donors there are for the arts brings everybody up. Uh, and it is a known fact that uh, most patrons and donors don't uh, affluent one specific organization, but they, they have many causes that they care about deeply. And then, so why, and Joe, I'm going to leave this question for you then, why are the arts so important to a community? That's, that is such a good question. Um, the arts at the, at the most basic level bring meaning and beauty to our lives. It's a lens through which we understand the world. And I think, you know, just going back to my earlier comment, you know, during this time when we're, we're, we're redefining everything that we do around us, that, that through line of creation and, and human creation, and, and especially in the way in, in which these organizations, the three of us here, do that work, it is always about community. And that is, that is on the stage, that's backstage, that's in an orchestra pit, that's out in the audience, and that's well beyond the audience as well. And uh, even though I was going to say faux because that sounded so cool, um, <laughs> I, I think the biggest reason why it is not the case that we, we have that uh, kind of dynamic that Samantha was referring to, to, to me, you know, one of the things that excited me most about coming to Arizona from Austin, Texas in 2016 was how much more I thought that this arts community could impact the state. Yes. The, the, the spread between where we were at and where I thought we could be over a period of time was so great that that idea of a zero-sum mentality just had no place. And I think that our organizations could double, triple, triple quadruple, whatever the one that's 10. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think we could do that, and, and there would still be people who we could touch with our work that are new to our communities. And now we have this added ability, and, and this is partly thanks to our partnership with with Manly, uh, that we can now it's now it's a global marketplace of ideas sure. that we're that we're participating. Endless in. amount of people we can reach. That's right. right, and and it's just it's our own imaginations that limit us, and that's it. And when I think about the arts, um, I grew, I was lucky enough to grow up with the arts. My mom, piano teacher. My dad sang all the time. He didn't perform for anybody. Well, he did sing. Uh, from what I what I've heard, he'd stand up at baseball games, like the St. Louis Cardinal baseball games, and sing awesome. to the crowd, which was very interesting. Grew up playing band in bands and things like that. It is just baffling to me that not that everybody doesn't understand how great the arts are and what they can do for you and uh, especially in dark times um, and and in good times too so uh, yes let's get it out there please you guys please keep going I'm I'm just uh, 
I'll scream from the mountaintops. Everybody should learn an instrument or just go see at least one show a year, please. We have it all here. Three, the best. three, three shows. Three Jim. shows yeah. a year. At least, at least shows. three shows. Okay, we gotta, yeah, you got to meet your uh, quotas. Um, we'll put together a sampler package. Exactly. There you go. And it's really interesting. Again, I get to see all, how all three of you work. And you all three have completely different personalities. I'll just say that. I, I don't know if you're aware of that, but possibly <laughs> you are. And all three of them, I could see myself doing the same thing. So I'll say Samantha. Well, let's start with Vincent. Vincent in the theater, right? They are very, very cautious. Very, I'll, I'll categorize them as cautious as heck, which is, I think, understandable. Then you have Joe over here. <laughs> <laughs> who is balls to the wall. Let's go. Um, there's planning involved, a lot of planning, but he, I, and I've told both of you guys, I admire you for both of your qualities. Um, but it's the way that both of you have approached it completely different and very interesting. And I don't know if I'd had the guts to do what you're doing, but which, I'm curious which piece, because I, you know, we, we definitely have a heavy bias toward action, but we also have, are taking the same precautions and, and really oh, trying sure. to look at those things as much as, as possible. Well, for example, you're doing a feature film <laughs> on an opera. Art, and you made that decision yeah. like two, two months ago. Mm. So I was like, wow, that's gutsy. That's cool. And thank you for asking us to shoot that feature film, by the way, and edit it's it. It's going to be a it's great adventure. It's going to be so awesome. And then you have the ballet, which I will say is kind of in the middle um, of, of you two. From, this is from my perspective where... Yeah, you're you're like we're gonna do something, um, and Samantha even a couple times. What, what what are the other ones doing? Oh, you probably can't talk about that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. So uh, from my perspective, you guys are kind of in the middle of that, mm -hmm. and now you've moved forward and you have a have a plan. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, and I think we have two uh, organizations here that have co-leaders, so that's uh, um, an interesting dynamic in this, particularly when there's uncertainty, um, when there's, uh, one of the biggest leadership challenges I felt with all this was not have any precedent or history or any idea of what what has happened in the past that we might be able to apply to, to how to move forward here. So, um, and neither did Eve Anderson, our artistic director. So we're, we're both just kind of looking at what's happening, trying to connect dots and, and make decisions, um, keep people safe, uh, keep the organization alive, um, keep connected with our patrons. Um, and it's, it's yeah, so I, I was curious to see how you would describe uh, me and, and, and Ballet Arizona. So that, that's yeah, probably right, not, right a, in the middle. And not I, a bad way to describe it. Um, yeah, and the know. connection that you all three have, though, were that we just want to create. We, we want to entertain people. That's what we do. We, we, we're in the business of creating and entertaining and and doing great art. And uh, that's really the path that all three of you have led to. And now you're all three doing that again. Um, let's talk about a couple of the ways that you're, what's Ballet Arizona doing right now? Well, um, it's interesting. The one thing I wanted to say is one of the big challenges we have is our art are our dancers. And dancers have a limited career. So, um, you know, they go to sometime in their late 30s, early 40s, if they're really lucky. Um, and in order to keep their instrument, their bodies, you know, ready to perform and act and, and, and be creative in art, they need to keep it moving all the time. And COVID was stopping them from doing that. And, you know, many organizations across the country, you know, decided they were going to hibernate. 
um, for this period mm. of time, which pr- probably isn't a bad idea. There's there's benefits to that, but you know we can't do that. We couldn't hibernate, have our dancers not be active and dancing. Did and you then, consider hibernating? Sure, we did all sorts of scenarios. What would planning. be the cons to hibernating? Um, too many to make it something we thought about very seriously. Um, from number one, the dancers, of course, not being able to continue to dance, um, and and then thinking when we come out of hibernation, you know, what would they be able to do? Um, and then there's you know the community. How how dare we say sorry? We're just going to go hang out over here, let yeah. you all deal with everything, and not provide what we can. As as Joe said, I mean, we we are the providers of, of respite and and joy and, and, and opportunity and creativity. And we couldn't just go, you know, hide out someplace. We needed to be a part of what all of us were going through. And I think that says a lot about what you all do. And I know you all very well. And it, it really is comes from the heart that, yeah, you are running a business and yeah, you need to get patrons. You need to get butts and seats as, as we always say. Right. But really, you know, in your heart and in your soul, you're there because you want to show them great art, mm-hmm. right? So you, by you just saying that right there, we owe it to our patrons. We mm-hmm. can't hibernate. Mm-hmm. I think that's very admirable. Well, and I think each of our organizations is not just what you see on stage. We are probably, I know we are all in schools and we're reaching students and we're trying to help them experience that art that you talked about. You know, All of us probably had art in our lives through school. Kids don't have that in the same way. Um, and so we're out in the schools. We're also out in the community trying to reach out to folks who may not come to Symphony Hall. You know, we do ballet under the stars every year in the fall. Well, that didn't happen this year. So how do we reach the community in that same way and provide the access and the opportunity that, you know, and there, there are kids who come and perform at Ballet Under the Stars as well. And, you know, how do we get those kids the opportunity to still do what they do and learn how to dance and choreograph and, and present in front of a crowd? So what have you done? Well, um, we we weren't able to be out in the communities because at that time in September when we typically do that, we were still under the 50 or less. So we mm-hmm. couldn't get that done. And quite frankly, being out in a public park and having to figure out how do we make social distancing happen and, and keep it happening, how do we make sure people are wearing masks, was something that we was pretty daunting to think about if we would have had to do that Um so what we are doing is one of our partners, um, Goodyear, the city of Goodyear, which is one of the places where we perform, very much wanted to have something like Ballet Under the Stars happening. So we're having ballet under the, and I don't know the digital you know, <laughs> metaphor to replace that with, so please help me because we're, we're <laughs> launching that later. We'll be doing that in January. So um, we will have um, clips of performances um, that you all are helping us capture, uh, along with having our, our kids who do what we call our class act program where dancers go into the school, they teach them a little bit about dance, the students choreograph themselves, and then they present. Well, we did that all via Zoom. So we have a, a, a Zoom dance from our kids. Now, it was a very small number of kids because they're worn out when it comes to Zooming, but we, we were able to do that. So we're really looking forward to January when we get to do ballet under the and I, you guys, someone gets a hundred bucks if you help me come up with a really creative <laughs> name for that, because it's I'm, not under the stars and it wasn't filmed under the stars. hundred bucks isn't going to be enough for me. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> undying gratitude. That's invaluable. <laughs> no, and, and you're also already, you're doing shows uh, now and you're, you're, um, 
you're releasing them online? Yes, yes. We um, started to do in-person performances uh, in the middle of October um, for a very small number of individuals. We are fortunate that we have a black box theater facility within our organization, and it seats 299. We didn't bring in any more than 40 because we had dancers on stage mm -hmm. and, and technical people, and that number couldn't be any more than 50. And then you're following all all the you 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 have your guidelines your social your your socially mm -hmm. distancing distancing guidelines which we're following here. Yep. You have your testing guidelines. You have your mask uh, and your, your your mask mandates and everything mm -hmm. else, keeping everybody apart. Then you're taking it that extra mile where you're having it recorded and then you're you're offering it online. Sometimes paid, sometimes not. Yeah. And then for uh, the opera. They're doing something uh, similar to that, where they're already uh, they're doing shows outside on your patio. What is, what's the patio called again? It's the Shoshana B and Robert S. Tancer Plaza. That's the, the plaza, plaza right. at the Arizona Opera Center. But we're also performing in Tucson as well. In fact, we had just a performance. Uh, we've had two performances in Tucson at the Children's Museum of Tucson and uh, at the um, uh, Temple of Music and Art, which is the venue that is used by Arizona Theater Company in Tucson. And uh, we're doing performances of our Marion Roos Pull and Opera Studio on a, on a more or less monthly basis during the season. And that's live in-person performance where we have a attendance up to, uh, well, we can have up to, uh, I think, 60 or 70 in Phoenix and about 40 in Tucson. And uh, I've been I've been you uh, have. patron at those and you brought you your feel, family. You feel yeah, I brought my family. You feel very safe. Everybody's sitting apart. Um, you're sitting with your family. Masks. Everybody's wearing masks. You have the hand sanitizer. In living in Arizona and Phoenix, we have and Tucson or wherever you want to be around, except for Flagstaff right now you we have perfect weather for the next eight months. So mm -hmm. you sit outside and you listen to this beautiful music. And you you feel safe. I feel safer than I do at this grocery store, mm -hmm. uh, to tell you the truth. And it's wonderful. And then you're also live streaming those live, those events. That's right. We have our new Vimeo channel, Arizona Opera on Demand, and of course we're doing this uh, film of the Copper Queen by Clint Forzani and John De Los Santos. Yes. Yeah, uh, so for those of you who don't know here, original opera Copper Queen. Yep, if it based on the haunting of the hotel by the same name in Bisbee, Arizona. Do you know about mm. this piece, Vincent? I don't know about the piece, but I know about the hotel. Okay, so so you know Julia Lowell, the ghost of Room Three Fifteen. It's a it's a fictionalized story about her life and what it might have been based on the sort of folklore and and turned into an opera. It's an incredibly cool piece. It was supposed to open our season this year, and we we've been incubating it for about five years now. And we thought, you know what, we're not going to let this virus be the reason that we do not make this work happen and uh, we partnered up with manly to uh, create it as a feature film uh so that's a, that's a big exciting project for us very cool yeah. and we've already we've been doing the pre-production on it for the last two or three months a lot mm -hmm. of it's a feature film so a lot of work goes in into that but i cannot wait to see this thing uh hopefully my the manly films crew is ready because it's going to be awesome yeah um and and then doing the post-production here and just knowing that it's going to be seen all over the world and Arizona Opera is going to be recognized. Uh, and then, yeah, it's a, it's a cool story. Um, and then, so then Vincent Phoenix theater, um, gone back and forth, back and forth. What are we going to do? You, you know, like you said, things kept, kept getting changed. So then you have to change things. There's a lot of, uh, minutia 
that you have to deal with when you're dealing with actors, you're dealing with um, all everything that goes with actors and uh, what, what the rights are and everything. So finally, I, Vincent's just like, okay, we're doing this. Mm. They build an outdoor venue. How cool is that? They've always been indoors, have a wonderful facility downtown. Now they have a beautiful outdoor facility where you're going to be able to safely uh, show your your uh, musicals, your plays, your everything. Uh, we're, you started with Dion Warwick uh, tribute. Yeah, indeed. We're opening uh, this month with a Dion Warwick tribute. And uh, so we set up this venue at the at the Central United Methodist Church. They've been a great partner for us. Uh, they're across the street, uh, across the parking lot from the theater, across the street from the opera. Uh, and uh, and so we decided to put up a 275-seat, fully socially distanced outdoor uh, stage and seating in the 20-plus-thousand-square-foot garden that they've got there. So that goes live this month, and we're going to do a six-show uh, lineup uh, to, uh, to take the place of what we were going to do for our 2020-2021 season. And then we picked up our 2020 and 21 season and moved it into 21-22. So we'll finish out our 100th anniversary season, hopefully uh, inside next June, but we'll see how things go. Uh, and then by fall, we'll be launching the 21-22 the season, which was uh, already planned. So we're in a unique position of never having been able to plan a season that far out. So we went from not, uh, you know, all these small incremental plans to actually knowing what we're doing for the next two years, which is, has really changed the dynamic for us. Uh, and then, and then you know, I think about all the new people that you all are going to be reaching with the outdoor theater, with the streaming, with uh, the, you know, the out, your outdoor performances, everything that you're doing that this pandemic is forcing you to do is actually uh, gaining you a new audience. You just... You just live your first live stream that you did. You mm -hmm. said three thousand people from around the world. But yeah, four thousand uh, we're estimating, and we had people from the UK, Germany, Jordan, France, Mexico, and and the question becomes, uh, you know, what is it that we're doing that can be the most impactful of this new, much larger community that that we thought of before? A piece like the Copper Queen, you know, it's 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 a piece of Arizona folklore brought to life in this incredibly. Uh, you know, in, intense and, and passionate way. But every opera, every play, every ballet that has a story associated with it takes place at some place in time. Right. Uh, and uh, why not Arizona? And and when you think about the unique value proposition of our work, you know, I think I think this is a moment for you know for Arizona storytelling to step into a spotlight that we we might not have been able to uh, to achieve. It's we pretty were. impressive when you think about it when you have people from all around the world who have probably never even heard of you. And now they're a patron. That's right. And we, you all have that opportunity and, to and, do that. But it's terrifying because, <laughs> because it's, no, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's enough to make 7,000 people happy. Now it's 7 billion. Like, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? We're mad with power. It's a tough problem. To yeah, have. exactly. exactly. Right. But, but, but in all seriousness, it's, it's, it's the best problem. It's the best problem, but it's also one that we haven't typically had to address. And, you know, how do we embrace this global community and, and do something that's of, of value to, to them as well, while still being distinctly Arizona. Mm -hmm.